0: Tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon.
1: It's almost (laughs) as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something.
0: Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. (laughs) I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff.
1: Hello and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches talk about Wayward Son by Rainbow Rowell. I am Lark Malachi Gray.
0: And I'm Jessie Blount, and we are talking about chapters 54 and 55 of Wayward Son. And for those of you keeping track at home... That means that we are only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 chapters away from the end of this book.
1: Ten chapters, or three episodes, including the one you're listening to right now.
0: Yep. Get ready. <laughs> we sure. It's are. almost
1: any way the wind blows. Time. Yay.
0: Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, <clears throat> chapter fifty-four. We start off with Penny, in which the vampires in suits waiting at the hotel room are like Lamb's Secret Service or whatever, Um, because Lamb is actually going to give up the goods on Next Blood, because unlike the surprisingly democratically elected President Lamb, Braden is basically the vampire king of Next Blood, who is running the whole operation. They're based out of the West Coast, but have some space in Reno, Nevada that all of the Next Blood leaders will be at, so it makes sense for Lam to take them there because if if the gang is going to take out all of these next blood folks, that would be the place. Plan secured. Lamb leaves, but not before actually seeing Simon and insulting him to Baz. Simon is pissed naturally, but unfortunately this is the best plan they got. Baz trusts Lamb even though he really shouldn't in a weird way because Lamb has kind of looked out for him. Also, he reflects on how much it sucks to fight with Simon now versus when they were just in school because they're BF, because they're boyfriends. Cry emojis forever. <laughs> uh, Simon, understand Lee is in a lather about vampires because he is enraged that this hot vampire king has taken has taken to baths. And it's all very confusing feelings because it's not like Simon was head over heels about the first hot vampire he saw Ooh, oh, wait. (laughs) Mm -mm. Penny is preparing for this ambush battle while everyone is crammed into a giant SUV with lamb driving and an entire caravan of vampires following them. Simon is understandably self-pissed, and Shepard has fallen asleep, question mark? Um, Baz is has also been going over spells in his head for this ambush because they've been driving all night through the the nevada desert which sounds already like a pain in the ass and lamb is really not so subtly trying to suggest to baz that he stay back from the action wonder why that is um simon wonders out loud if if the next blood succeeded at their magic transfer and lamb rightly points out that if they did they'd be running the world unlike the regular mages we all know next blood fears nothing Um, Penny is also still awake for this nighttime drive, and she's still strategizing, even though there's a lot of really unknown factors and dangers, and it also is the fact that only her, Simon, and Baz really care about saving Agatha. It's kind of a shitty situation, and very much unlike their old school day battles, that they're probably not going to win. Chapter 55, Baz. They've arrived to the middle of fucking nowhere desert and Lamb tells them that next blood is like just over that sand dune over there. And Penny and Simon go while Baz stays back. Baz is a little bit worried, but then Shepard wakes up, runs out of the car, and Baz is maybe realizing what an extremely clear and obvious trap this whole thing is. Penny, meanwhile, is hiking up this dune with Simon and is having some second thoughts. Simon has been ready to fight something for basically the past eight hours, um, but does check in with Penny about how he uh, doesn't need any armor, but he definitely needs a sword. Only Penny's magic doesn't work. Whoops. Shepard, meanwhile, is caught up to them to be like, oh, this is a trap. This is a dead zone. And Penny's like, oh, yeah, we know. (laughs) What else are we going to do but keep going? Shepard, feeling kind of bad for getting them into this very obvious trap goes with them. Back to Penny. Um, On the other side of the sand dune, Agatha actually is there in between some giant SUVs and what turns out to be some next blood vampire assholes. Um, This is an entirely shit situation, but she has to go through with it. She has to try. Uh, Agatha, meanwhile, is so over her friends being predictable, adrenaline junkie do-gooders who think that they're invincible. Baz, meanwhile, is still with Lamb and the rest of the Las Vegas vampires, watches Simon and Penny go over the sand dune, and then here's gunshots.
1: Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. Oh my gosh, but before we talk all about it, first of all, Molly, thank you so much for leaving us. A donation and for the very kind things that you said in your donation note you're great also thank you everyone who's joined our patreon recently you guys are all amazing and we're so thankful to all of you i don't remember if i've said this on this podcast yet but our patrons recently replaced my computer so that my computer fan wouldn't be making jet plane noises in the background of all of our recordings which is A really good thing for audio quality.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it makes your job so much easier, which is always good.
1: Yes. Um, Also, We Are The Gayers, our Buffy podcast is a public podcast now, and you can all listen and subscribe on the platform of your choice, and you should, because it's great. And please leave us a review. It makes us happy.
0: Yeah. Also, Rainbow Rowell loves uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so if you like... The Simon Snow series. I think you're going to like Buffy.
1: Yeah. Good point. And with that, oh, what do I say? This is a fully spoiled podcast. If you don't already know, somehow, three episodes from the end of book two. (laughs) (laughs) And now we're going to enter easy come, easy go, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else.
0: Uh. My first thing is, so the beginning of chapter 54 is a begin- is like our first POV is Penny. And she's like, I'm really good at spotting vampires now. And I'm like, there is a lady in a suit who is gray in a vampire hotel. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Penny does really have usually good observation skills, but it's like, that's not as much of a flex as I think you think it is.
1: Yeah, I thought about that. The only thing I could think, because I kind of tripped over that, because there's this whole, like, Baz is gray because he's anemic, and then they keep describing other people as also being gray. And so I wondered if when she says that this woman is gray, she means it in a, like, it's so subtle that if you weren't looking for vampires, you might not notice that she was gray way. Yeah. Even Sans grayness, it's a pretty obvious thing that this woman is a vampire however yeah. um I, I only have two things here this week
0: yeah i only have a few things here too
1: okay cool my first is that i want this to be like a movie or a mini series just so that i can see lamb's reaction to simon becoming visible
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes
1: I bet it's it was priceless.
0: Yeah, I think so like in general Lamb seems very unflappable, but I think baby dragon Simon would flap him. He would just be like, Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry, what the actual fuck?
1: Not <laughs> a wing pun that you made.
0: <laughs> oh my god, it'd me too, but yes. <laughs> Cause I feel like the term unflappable suggests the existence of flappable. Yeah. But like, I don't think that's actually a word. But it's just like, but why isn't it?
1: No, that's a great question. Um, I think it, that I think it's your turn.
0: Um, okay, not that Lamb actually says this, but when he rolls in to be like, actually, Vampire King is not correct because this is the democratically elected position. <laughs> is actually like kind of incredible. <laughs> Uh, and they just keep calling him the vampire king and it's like clearly he's the vampire president or prime minister depending on what they're basing there he might be the mayor the vampire mayor of Vegas That's
1: yeah. true or if it's like bigger than that he might be like the governor but that all indicates that there's like like is, is Vegas like a sovereign vampire nation in which case he's president or is it like part of like a larger vampire network and then there's someone above him
0: That's true. I guess we don't get enough information to suggest it. But it does seem like, especially when we get in the later chapters of the later chapters, in the next, like, three or four chapters, it seems like Vegas seems to be its own sort of sovereign governing body, considering the choices that WAM is making, you know?
1: Yeah. I think it's probably more like the European Union. Yeah. Yeah. So he would be, like, the president or, yeah, prime minister or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Love it. (laughs) Me too. Um, My last thing here is just, I think it's Simon who's like, no, we're working with vampires. Maybe we should summon some demons to help us too. And I just wrote, foreshadow. (laughs) (laughs)
0: And it's like, you don't know it, Simon, but you kind of, that is sort of, that is sort of in the wheelhouse of, uh, that is sort of uh, who who you have in your gang. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Shepard just always has a demon on standby, actually, so... Which
0: is very, I mean, very useful, or else he definitely would have died in this book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Which I am glad for, because I definitely don't need to read any more media where the Black character dies, so... In case people were wondering, if you haven't finished the series for whatever reason, Shepard lives, everyone. All right. Yes. (laughs) Um... Baz mentions in his sort of reflecting on how sort of fractured this the world of mages seems to be, both the world of mages that exists in the UK and the general what mages are doing, where he's like, my parents only love and use the internet. And I'm like, please, someone teach Baz how to, to fucking use the internet. <laughs> Please, there is so much relationship advice out there. You could just, you could Google it. You could watch some TikToks, go on Instagram. I'm sure there's some like Reddit threads about your first gay relationship and how to deal with your like problems. And I'm like, someone please.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I also was deeply upset to learn that information. He has a smartphone. How do they keep him off the internet? Is it child locked? Because that's fucked up.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you can get – I mean, maybe, because I'm like, can you even – even back when this book, like, whatever time was taking place, I'm like, could you have a cell phone that didn't have data? But, like, right, what is the point of having a smartphone?
1: You can – like, for for kids, your parents can put, like, parental controls that control, like, what websites you can visit and stuff. So they might not be able to keep him off the internet, but they could potentially, if they were doing that, they could keep him from accessing – a lot of stuff on the internet yeah which is so fucked up to think about
0: maybe she- i mean shepherd clearly is both very internet literate and also knows where all the forums about the su- where all like maybe not all the supernatural creatures all the supernatural people are at but like there's got to be some like online vampires that baz could connect with that aren't lamb right <laughs> to learn about vampires <laughs>
1: Welcome to I See a Little Silhouette of a Man, where we talk about character development. This is a very character heavy, like all of our characters are going through it in these chapters. So for me, the section is like pretty long. Um, I'd love to start with Simon, if that's cool.
0: Let's start with Simon.
1: His section of 54, where he's just like, he's having a literal crisis of maybe not self but of like his worldview in this chapter and it is visceral I feel like I mean Rainbow Rowell is an excellent author all the time but these where you get to like look inside your character's brain as they're having these moments I think it's one of the places where she shines the strongest because you literally are just like in there with Simon as he's like this isn't how we do things the mage said wait but the mage did exactly this but that's not how I do things except when it's Baz but I wouldn't do it in this other case except that I already have and you're just like oh baby oh you poor poor baby this is so terrible
0: yeah I think this is actually what I really particularly like about these two chapters is Simon and like Penny and like a little bit of Baz having to sort of self-reflect I mean Simon there's something very familiar about what's happening but he's also like out of his comfort zone from like even a lot of the other (sighs) magical battles that he's been in previously where like he is ready he like knows what to do in a fight He is ready for this fight but it's also just like all of the sort of factors that are leading them to this and are like yeah (laughs) (laughs) Like, of course he's in a crisis. This is like an incredibly weird and fucked up situation that he is in, you know?
1: Yeah, it is. And I'm going to kind of blend Simon and Penny a little bit here because part of what's up with Penny is that, or at least for me, I don't think this is up for her, is that she doesn't seem to have had any reckoning with the way that she thinks about vampires as a result of everything that's happened in the last 24 hours or whatever. Yeah. Which I think is terrible, and we can (laughs) talk more about that in politics. Yeah. But she's sort of... Her crisis is really centered around, you know, how she's always thought about herself and her capabilities. But Simon is really reckoning with how... He's been taught to think about vampires in a way that's like, yes, this is, you, sh- you should be having a reckoning around this. And, you know, thinking about, is it just, is Baz just the exception or have I just been incorrect in the way that I think about these people?
0: Which, which I think is also excellent for Simon, because then it's sort of like, how much has sort of Simon's internal bias against vampires like affecting his relationship with baz who is a vampire and yes baz is not out snacking on people but like he's still a vampire you know he still needs blood to live and like if anyone knew back home they would literally murder him so it's sort of just like i because i feel like part of his like fucking lamb like fucking vampires like fucking hate them is very much there still feels like there's some jealousy with the way that baz and lamb like how that interaction is working, yeah. Um,
1: Simon's just like just because he's beautiful and wearing an incredible suit and has pretty eyes. Wait a second, that's not what I'm trying. Yeah, <laughs> I really love that part.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's why I'm like, yes, Simon. It's not just you who are sucked into an attractive vamp. Like, <laughs> it's not just your situation.
1: I think the part where that really speaks to what you're saying is is the part where Simon says, Baz is the exception, you know, I like him, but it's because he hates vampires even more than I do. And then he sort of stops and is like, I mean, that's not the only reason. I mean, Baz is great, even if that weren't true. And I think that's a big moment for Simon. Because I think, if I understood you correctly, what you're getting at is him sort of realizing that he's been internally justifying why it's okay to like baz even though baz is a vampire and sort of realizing that maybe he doesn't have to justify that
0: yes exactly (laughs) teamwork teamwork and yeah i and i don't think that simon and baz's relationship issue is because that like simon doesn't accept that baz is a vampire But I think after meeting other vampires and like having this experience, I think that he can. I think it's just good that Simon has met other vampires besides Baz to sort of have a kind of clearer view of how both special Baz is, but also it's like basically okay for him to be a vampire, you know?
1: Yeah, kind of what we've been getting at the whole series, where it's like Baz has a chronic illness, essentially. Or even, yeah. Yeah. It's a chronic illness. He requires a special diet to stay well. And that's not just true of Baz, right? And that's sort of where Simon is learning to think of vampirism generally as potentially being more like a chronic illness than something that makes people not people anymore. Yeah. And that's a lot to try to come to terms with in, like, a six-hour car ride, you know?
0: Right. When you're already <laughs> hyped because you're, like, finally something's about to happen. We, I got to be in this fight. And I also, like, can't relax in this car. <laughs> so it's just, like, nervous energy. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it makes my body hurt thinking
1: about this. I know. Lam, I get why Lam was absolutely not going to let Simon fly above the car, but honestly everyone would have been so much better off if Simon had been flying for these last six hours. I mean that's maybe too long to then still be able to fight, but at least for a while, because he he just can't be cooped up, you know?
0: Yeah. But then Simon would have ruined the whole trap. I mean probably not. He's still done the exact same thing, which is diving at first.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: So, but Lamb doesn't know that. So,
1: right, and also he could have, you know, pulled over and been like, "All right, Simon, we're gonna be there in thirty minutes. You need to get in the car now because we need to be sneaky." You know, yeah.
0: But I think as we learn in these chapters, uh, Lamb doesn't care about anyone except for Bass. So, in this car, right. he could give negative fucks about literally anyone else, about literally everyone yeah. else.
1: Um. Yeah. You want to talk about Penny?
0: Yeah, Penny's also going through a bit of a crisis, which I particularly love, where she's sort of like kind of, she's like really reflecting on the fact that this is so much less of a sure thing, like this battle. Like she's really kind of reflecting on how the battle with the humdrum went, where it's like she's like the like the plucky and smart best friend, and like Simon's like the most powerful mage like in the, the country, and as they have Main character energy on their side, essentially, you know? And now it's like, we're the middle of the desert. No one knows where the fuck we are. We're with the fucking vampire king of Las Vegas in the, like, in the middle of the desert. And it's like, oh, shit.
1: And Simon doesn't have his powers. Simon
0: doesn't have his powers. And there are just too many X factors against us to think that we're going to come out of this just without a, like, without a scratch kind of thing. Right. And just sort of being like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Um, I guess I just kind of really love because I feel like it also just feels like a sort of reflection on like, I guess how carry on feels is very much in the vein of a like Harry Potter where it's like we're having this like school adventure and there's like an evil magical creature we have to defeat, and now it's like the villains are just like real world greed and like adults trying to preserve whatever bullshit things they have and it's like just being like young adults who like know a lot of stuff but like don't know the context of what they're getting into to like really fully be able to assess the situation and just like that kind of like oh shit moment right. I think is really excellent for both these characters and like just for the series is to be like oh wait we're we're not really we're not in the YA novel that we think we're in
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think it it also extends for her sort of backwards, too, because we see her being like, it didn't even occur to me to ask for help because I never used to need help. And then sort of be like, did, did I maybe used to need help, actually? Could I have maybe done better if I'd had some help? Yeah. And then that feeling that we see her having you know earlier in this book we saw her grappling with I thought that I was always right and maybe I wasn't always right and now it's more it's become even deeper than that of maybe I wasn't always right and maybe I wasn't as safe as I thought I was which is oof therapy shit you know
0: I know yeah it (laughs) It actually kind of reminds me of like when I like got my ADHD diagnosis and like I've been struggling with a thing that people know about and there could and there are very like reasonable steps I could have been having this entire time. What? Oh yeah.
1: One (laughs) hundred percent.
0: And yeah, and I feel like for even for Penny to be like, my mom is like the most like powerful and smart mage that I know. Like I could have asked her, called her Something And I'm like, this is definitely a situation where having, asking an adult or having some assistance from someone who has more knowledge and experience of the, of what is happening, or at least could give more advice would be great. And it just sucks to be like, can't do it now, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Or it's like, oh, fuck, maybe this wouldn't, this didn't have to turn out like that right because this whole book is a is a struggle like everyone is just struggling this entire book and like mm-hmm. obviously there's some fun parts of this book but it is just like really painful this sort of just like awkward i don't know post-school trying to be an adult struggle or just like oh i actually am maybe not as prepared as i thought that i was
1: right yeah baz yeah Yeah, Baz is um, also coming to terms with how he thinks about vampires, I think, and is having a real moment at the start of this section where he's sort of questioning, I think, for the first time, if maybe he's more vampire than he is mage and how that would feel and if that would be nice, I think, Um, which is
0: huge. Right, to like not just completely ignore that part of him, you know? Yeah. And that there could maybe be a kinship with other vampires which i think he had would have never considered before meeting a lamb i mean like he does straight up they straight up murder a bunch of vampires you know earlier in this book who were like probably who maybe we're gonna harm those people but like maybe they're just gonna snack on them and like leave you know
1: I mean, I think they were not going to harm those people. Uh, Shepard was like, why would they kill them? Like, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. You know, I think yeah. we can trust Shepard's take on that.
0: Yeah. So, and yeah, and that, that's just like a, a huge, a huge mental shift for yeah. Baz.
1: Yeah. When he's like, I'm one of Lamb's subjects. And then he, you, we see him just sort of trip on that thought where he's like, or, you know, something. Mm-hmm. And, Yeah, I think what he means by that is, I'm a vampire. And I, yeah, I think that's totally new for him.
0: Yeah. All my babies, they're just struggling so much. Yeah. Yeah, this is, I mean, these are a rough string of trap chapters. (laughs) Like, the climax of this book is pretty painful.
1: Yeah, it really is. Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about things that are fucked up.
0: Philip, you should (laughs) start.
1: Yeah, I would like to circle back to what I was saying about Penny having really seemingly had no shift in the way that she's thinking about vampires at all. Um, Oops, I lost myself sorry um yeah she just you know we see her be like I should burn this hotel down and then you know once we're done saving Agatha we should go back and kill every vampire in Las Vegas and you know not only that but also being shocked about them having a system of government and double agents and stuff it's just really clear that she was Thinking about Baz as an outlier, not only in terms of, you know, being the good vampire, but maybe also in terms of, not sentience, sapience, maybe.
0: Like being a person.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like, but not in terms of, oh, they're evil, they're demons, but maybe like, oh, they function as demons. They're in the same realm of, that doesn't even make sense because like, Goblins are also people.
0: But would Penny said goblins And goblins, goblins are also
1: have a fucking system of government. She knows that monsters can have systems of government. So I'm like how were you thinking about vampires previously if you are surprised to learn that they I don't know, have jobs and stuff. Why I'm sure that there are goblin double agents too. Like their mission to kill Simon is seemingly fairly well orchestrated. I <laughs> so. mean,
0: I mean I think maybe <sighs> And I normally don't use this word, but I think that maybe Penny was imagining that the vampires are somehow more primitive in their system of governments. Like, oh, Lamb is the king because he's like the oldest or the strongest or whatever. And not that, no, a bunch of vampires voted for him to be the president and he has to answer to like vampire to a vampire council or a vampire congress you know or whatever yeah. and, and like he has like a decade or two term limit or some shit like like a very sophisticated <laughs> government versus a like well he's the oldest could kick all of our asses so he's the king you know which no, is no that
1: like, makes sense because with the goblins it is whoever kills simon gets to be king and that's yeah. very different from
0: yeah
1: yeah okay no that makes sense
0: so i <laughs> yeah i mean Penny just has a lot of, I would think, uh bigoted assumptions about vampires, <laughs> which the world of mages seems to want to promote anyway, since there's no information about them besides we got to kill them all. So, right. Not that that, that is like, like, like I said, I feel like it says every episode talk about this, like not that that's an excuse. And the fact that even with all of this, Penny is still just like, you know.
1: Yeah, where I got sort of lost at the beginning of this was thinking about how our reading of Penny as being autistic would play into this because I think that the sort of black and white thinking that can go along with autism makes it often hard for something as profound as this group is evil to shift to they're not evil and that's been so thoroughly taught to her her entire life and she's been so sure in her conviction that it's moral to kill vampires that you know yeah the body of evidence that I think she would require and there's just more processing time yeah involved I think in terms of making a shift like that
0: and i felt the information that she's gotten over the past few days about the like vampire hub of las vegas like isn't enough information to conv- would wouldn't be enough information to convince her because like there's cuz like <laughs> lamb isn't a good guy you know right um and like and since the vampires are gonna go on to betray them it's like this like she's gonna leave the situation and be like man she's still gonna be like fuck vampires you know after this
1: but there's a difference between like fuck those guys and like kill those guys and i feel like you know all i want from penny is for her to be like maybe they're not monsters you know maybe yeah. they're people but even that i mean that's a that's that's huge yeah. you know
0: I mean, she doesn't, doesn't that we know of, go back to, like, light Las Vegas on fire. True. (laughs) There's that. Like, she does not spend all of any way the wind blows trying to be like, we got to go back to America and murder all those vampires. Right. So, you know. I I don't necessarily think that's progress, but at least it is not high up on her uh, to-do list anymore. Right.
1: (laughs) I can't remember if she has any vampire... Stuff come up for her in any way the wind blows but I think that you know Shepherd's access to information about what vampires is like uh, what vampires are like is gonna be helpful for her when she is ready to like process and the reintroduction of Nico into all of their lives is also gonna be very helpful I think Penny will come around she just needs processing time
0: yeah she needs a, she needs more information which right I think that if the gang end up have, spending a lot of time with, like, Fiona and Nico. It's just... Give I know. me that
1: short story. I want to see it. I
0: know!
1: <laughs> Fiona and Nico take them all out drinking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I would love to read that. Dreamy. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, cool. What do you have next?
0: Um. Obviously lamb is incredibly biased like he really only cares about vampires which makes sense given his whole like oh i'm just a humble servant of vampire of the las vegas vampires and it's like okay bro whatever but his reaction to simon is so gross and like part of me wanted to be like is this ableist but like just him being like oh, your boyfriend is a, like, disfigured magician? Like, okay. Just like, fuck you, Liam.
1: I kind of took that as him, like, overcorrecting for whatever face Penny describes him making when Simon pops back into existence. Like, trying to uh, re-unflappable himself (laughs) by being like, ugh, I'm so disdainful. No one saw me wearing that surprised face like a cat, you know, who fell off a thing.
0: Right. (laughs) Which doesn't (laughs) make it
1: acceptable, (laughs) but...
0: Right, are <laughs> those videos of people putting like cucumbers next to their cats and they like jump three feet in the those air? Are so mean. And then this looks like, oh wait, that's I meant to do that, you know? Right. <laughs> Where he's just like, holy god, it's a it's a dragon. Oh wait. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so. Yeah, I don't know. Fucking lamb, man. Fucking mm-hmm. <laughs> like asshole. Yeah. Um. Do you have anything else here?
1: Not that I want to talk about.
0: (laughs) I only have one more thing, which just felt very womp, womp, uh, 2023, which is uh, Penny says this line, uh, that our goodness matters, that our power is rooted in those things and thus unmatched. But what has America done but prove otherwise? And I'm like, ooh, it's a low blow. (laughs) Like, good point.
1: Yeah, I also I also felt an oof. Yeah. Also that line about how Americans wrote their uh what's it called? <laughs> theme song. Jesse, what is it called?
0: Anthem. Yes, thank you. Our theme song. <laughs> I mean theme song is um, close enough.
1: True. Yeah. By by hiding behind a wall and writing what they observed or something like that. I don't know. It's just like that. I want to carry that with me because it just makes it sound so fucking cowardly and I feel like that would make people so angry. Like, people who really care about it would be so mad if you were like, yeah, it was written by a fucking coward hiding from the war.
0: Yeah, listen, all of the founding fathers were just slave-owning, drunk pieces of shit. Like, that dude who wrote the National Anthem was just a cowardly piece of shit. Like, this country is built on garbage and the bones of my ancestors. It fucking sucks. So yep anyway (laughs) this has been a politics section I mean this has been face the truth (laughs) Uh.
1: welcome to caught in a landslide where we rant about stuff I really love that Simon and Baz are both correct about Lamb's intentions, you know? Yeah. Because he really is taking them to find Agatha, and he is dumping them in the desert with cement shoes on, both.
0: Yeah, yeah, the two of them have a very, I mean, you know, it really takes a few people to get a read on someone as (laughs) slippery as a politician like Lamb. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which I feel like reading Lamb as a like, oh, you're a politician, really just does. It really just like, oh, yeah, I can't totally believe everything that you say. Right. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> my first thing is that, I mean, obviously Lamb's position as vampire president is probably pretty cool. I would never want to be a vampire public servant, though, because for anyone who has watched, say, Parks and rec Uh, and this scene where they have community meetings and you're like, this is too ridiculous to be real. No. Community meetings are just as terrible as they look on that show. Like, they're worse. And there's, like, it's not satire, which is why I cannot watch Parks and Rec. (laughs) Anyway, I would not want to do that for my undead, immortal life. But a vampire double agent sounds fucking badass. Sign me up. (laughs) You're drinking a lot of kale smoothies with Brayden, but at least... (laughs) At least you could feel like a spy while you do it. I don't know. Mm
1: -hmm. Listeners, the face I made. I make that face every time I think about kale, but like (laughs) it is amplified by it being a smoothie.
0: People really just want to make themselves unhappy drinking a thing they think is healthy. And I'm like, you could just not be unhappy and put, I don't know, spinach in a smoothie if you want to have a smoothie with greens in it. I don't know. Carrot tops and carrots, like... You don't have to. Anyway, this is off topic.
1: Taste-wise, unobtrusive. Yes. Spinach is really the option, I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, But yeah.
1: I want to talk about how painfully chaotic Simon and Penny's approach to this situation (laughs) is. (laughs) It makes me feel like Penny's just, like, faking being someone who makes plans. Because when... Shepard I think is like this is a trap she's like yeah but there's only one way to figure out what the trap is and that's to spring it and you're like Penelope Bunce what <laughs>
0: I mean no. I think this is probably the I feel like this chaotic approach probably worked really well when it was Penny and Simon versus the hum drums, whatever XYZ monster of the week kind of thing you know right um, but yeah, this is, yeah, this is definitely a, like, y'all are in a way over your head, but it's like, what else do you do now besides just, you know? I mean,
1: go back for Baz, at least, you know, right. bare minimum. Right. Agatha's being like, Abs- do not, do not come down here. And they're like, wonder why Agatha's shaking her head. Better go down there. And you're like, for fuck's sake.
0: Right. She could have at least been like, hey, Baz, like, you know, waved her like something to be like... We really could use a third mage for this fight.
1: <laughs> a, a second mage. Simon is not a mage anymore. That's true.
0: I mean, Simon only has his his physicality to <laughs> do. Right. <sighs> yeah, that's why I really love Agatha's chatter. She's just like, these fucking people <laughs> don't learn.
1: <laughs> There's literally nothing that I love more than Agatha being disdainful about <laughs> our golden trio you know
0: yeah agatha hates uh all of this uh hero shit so much <laughs> which is just so refreshing i think um for really any fantasy novel <laughs> but it's just really great here he's just like are you guys kidding me <laughs> right <laughs> now <sighs> even though she actually legitimately needs some assistance to get her out of this situation she's jealous just so over
1: it yeah she really is and i think she's like i'm gonna die no matter what i don't need to watch you guys die too you know but in her wonderful agatha way of being like just so fucking disdainful i love her
0: i know um i love this acknowledgement teaser that we get from baz where he's reflecting on sort of the closed off nature of the world of mages and how he's like i don't remember if it was him or simon where it's like even if mages did run the world like they wouldn't know like how would they know you know Mm -hmm. um just because of i mean the sheer lack of information about this in the world of mages and just sort of like how insular and closed in it is right Uh, which is I mean, they, they've already learned so much just in this book about uh, outside of the world of mages. It's a very different universe. <laughs> right. I just really like it because it's like, I think oh, they, ha- they they, they would have had to have left home to sort of get that, like, view of, like, oh, wait, like, this isn't how the rest of the world works. And, right. like, who knows what mages in other places are doing? Like, we fucking have no clue.
1: Right.
0: Which actually does bring up the question where it's, We get mention of mages who got famous in the normal world. We have Pen and Tenor, who I love bringing up. Then we get in this chapter, Beatrice Potter, who I'll be talking about later, obviously. Who, like, also made a bunch of money. So, there could be a bunch of mages who are just, like, stockbrokers or, you know, business owners. Like, who could just be raking it in. Who could be, or, like, pulling strings, like, in the world. And it's like, who would know? It's not right. like there's like a world an organized world of mages government. Like there's just Yeah. And it's kind of like this sort of pointing out that there is just things that we don't know about this world. And like even like Baz, who grew up in an established mage, an old established mage family, he doesn't know. Which is wild, I think.
1: Yeah. And I mean he yeah, he basically is like the uk world of mages is so isolationist and closed off like how the fuck would i know about anything else like we just yeah stay with with ourselves and yeah yeah i think it's yeah really interesting
0: it's just so good that's all i gotta say yeah
1: it is okay so my last rant is about this magical creature called pith balls <sighs> Like number of like angry little emoticon <laughs> faces that I drew in my book. It literally, it's like they're not. They're simply not allowed in the world of mages because you can't trust them not to murder you. And I was just like, "Fuck you, Rainbow Rowell. What are you doing?"
0: <laughs> because FYI, everyone, uh, Pitbull bands are racist and classist and fucked up.
1: They're so bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's deeply frustrating listeners ready get ready for this rant um because obviously so much misinformation about pit bulls and the and like pit bull bites because hey guess what when you have a popular breed of dog you're going to have a lot of data about being bit by them and so golden retrievers and laboratory retrievers also statistically have a uh, are bitten by them because people all people have golden retrievers and labs and like german shepherds and like All kinds of dogs, number one. And then number two, the sort of, like, this idea about, like, pits being the most dangerous is, like, a social construction. I mean, and there have been various breeds of dogs across the history that have been, like, don't own these dogs. They're, like, super vicious and, like, going to attack you and, like, whatever. So there'll be a link in the show notes to the excellent book about the history of pit bulls that you should definitely read.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and some stats, some stats about pit bulls from the organization that we donated money from that shirt yes. that we sold to. Yeah,
0: and uh, pit bull bans are just the war- like. What problem do you think you are solving?
1: Yeah, they're y'all. The night they're the nicest dogs. Even the ones that are treated very poorly are the sweetest dogs. Maybe not to strangers if they're taught not to be sweet to strangers, but, like, for real, you're less likely to be bit by a pit bull than by m- a lot of other breeds of dogs.
0: Yeah, the, the myth about them locking their jaws, quote-unquote, is a myth. Absolutely a myth. Pit bulls are lovely. They want to hang out with you. <laughs> like, yep. Are you shitting me? So, yes. <laughs> and I know that pit bull is a cute pun. It's, like, very funny, and it's like, but what is that, like... You could have found a different animal like you could have clearly so many punny animal names and monster names you could have not picked something derivative of pitbull
1: yeah and i'm pretty sure that there was a pitbull dig and carry on too i don't think this is the first time that we've had an issue with rainbow rowell having some bias against the best of all dogs
0: i think Okay, I think there I mean, I feel like there are, like, really weird pit bull bans in Europe.
1: Yeah, no, there are. They're illegal in most of Europe. And in the UK, quote-unquote pit bulls are banned, but Staffordshire Terriers are not banned. And pit bull is not a real breed of dog. It's four breeds of dogs that, like, all kind of look the same. And, like, Staffies are, in the US, are pit bulls.
0: Yeah. And I think people think because of the ubiquitous name of pit bulls and pennies that it's a breed, but yeah, it's like four breeds of dogs.
1: And like a solid 40% of dogs that get classified as pit bulls, if you do genetic tests on them, don't have any of those four breeds of dogs. in. it's just like a dog that looks vaguely like a pit bull will get branded as a pit bull.
0: Right. Too. Yeah. It's yeah. And it's like, Right, it's like you mix something with a boxer, and it's, it looks like what people think of as like a pity because it's a, it's a square face and like right. a stout, bow, like a stout body or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I know. I feel like whenever I'm, I've been looking for a dog, so I spent a lot, a lot of time looking at dog listings, and a lot of it is like, you know, yeah, like Shetfordshire Terriers, because, I mean, there are places here that like right, you can't, if you're renting a place, you can't have a, you can't have like a quote unquote pit bull, and like there's cities that have their own like. Pitbull, like, you know, ordinances, which really only just, you know, creates less homes for pitbulls in shelters where they could live, or if people have pitbulls, like, where they could live. And that's fucked up.
1: Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> this has been the rantiest rant of all time. Some of it will be on Patreon only, but not all of it, because I am very passionate about this. Yeah.
0: I don't even own a pitbull, and I'm very passionate about this because I appreciate that. The feather people pick on pit bulls unnecessarily is fucked up and oftentimes racist. So, yeah. <laughs> hashtag hashtag Get Simon a pit bull. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god.
1: welcome to send shivers down my spine where we talk about crushes because (laughs) shepherd loves penelope
0: i know (laughs) he's just like well i can't just leave y'all here i can't just let penny go off to get murdered by a vampire yeah
1: when he wakes up from his thrall it's not even like he the amount that he is not concerned about whether simon is okay (laughs) is incredible he's just like Penelope. I have to save Penelope. you're like, you love her. Does he even say anything
0: to Baz? He like stumbles out of the car, like hung over, which is what he compares coming off of a thrall like, and like goes after like his, goes after Penny on what is a very hard hike for people who have never hiked a sand dune. Shit's hard as fuck. Yep. (laughs) And I'm just like, yeah, that is That is true love right there. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's so sweet. I love it so much. I know. Is there anything else? There's
0: nothing, nothing else even approaching (laughs) sexy happens in this chapter. So in these chapters. So no. All right.
1: welcome to is this just fantasy where we talk about where we research we talk about magic and science and magical science and sometimes we research other things too okay you want to talk about the bunch of spells that we get
0: we should do For yeah starters yeah we get mention of a uh, little pig little pig which i actually was just like what nursery rhyme is this i do not is this from like the three little pigs? Uh-huh. Okay, that's what I thought.
1: When the wolf comes to their houses, he's like, little pig, little pig, let me in. And they say, not by the hair on my chinny chin chin. And then the wolf huffs and puffs and blows the house down. I think, I just thinking now about how that goes, so it's like the first pig's house is made of like straw, and then the second one is made of wood, and then the third one is made of brick. And I was like, does this only work on wood structures? Assuming they're not going to come across any straw structures. But do you think the spell is like, doesn't work on a brick house?
0: Interesting. I guess. I don't know. It does seem limiting for it to not work on brick. But the other side of that is, if it does, is it finicky enough where it's like so many things in America is made out of cement blocks? (laughs) Right. <laughs> and like not actual brick. <laughs> so it's like they probably could just get into wherever <laughs> at that.
1: Point. Right.
0: Uh we also get now you see it, now you don't, which we correctly sussed out last chapter. <laughs> um, it's been a long time since I read this book for the first time, so I'm like, Did I just subconsciously absorb that? Or is it just like, oh clearly that's an invisibility spell. So whichever.
1: I think the second one, and yes, I also was very proud of you.
0: <laughs> and then show me the way is just pretty I feel like straightforward.
1: Yeah, but we also get steal yourself as a sword making spell. Incredible.
0: Right. How are they mages not going around with swords? I mean <laughs> we do see a magical sword at the end of any way the wind blows, obviously, but
1: I mean hopefully they're not in situations that require them to have swords very
0: frequently. This is true. Yeah. This gang though does, <laughs> considering yes, how many they instances sure that they're in times where it's like, God, you really do need a sword. Yeah,
1: because Penny really has to, like, search for what would work to make a sword. But, like, Simon had a sword before. Yeah. So I guess she's never really needed to. Yeah. What's next?
0: Um, We get a little detail about Simon's wings, which I don't remember if we've gotten before, that his wings has spikes on it. And I think, and I feel like I point that out because I feel like a lot of illustrations of dragon wings, they often have, like, little, like, claws on, like, the tips kind of like if you're looking thinking about bat wings it'd be like the like the tip of the index finger of a bat wing like a little like grippy right. claw which isn't what <laughs> Pat is describing he's describing that there are spikes involved <laughs> which does sound a very painful to be jabbed with in an already uncomfortable car
1: ride <laughs> i assumed that was what he was referring to so you think this is this is more more spikes than just that.
0: I think that there might be spikes on, like, alongside the edge of his wings. Like, more than mm. one claw. Like, there are, like, spikes.
1: Interesting.
0: Which, <laughs> I mean, again, the cover arts of the books are not super accurate to what I think Simon's wings would look like. Um, no. So, listeners, if you've seen fan art that involved these little spikes on his wings, please let us know. Yeah, Definitely.
1: We learn in this chapter that the humdrum sends something after them called counting sheep that make you go to sleep, and I think that's incredible.
0: I bet they're very cute. But yeah, that's also
1: like... Uh, How do you even fight something that just makes you... As I assume they just make you pass out, right?
0: I don't know. A five-hour energy drink? A lot of coffee? <laughs> I don't know. Ow.
1: Sorry, I just like jiggled one of my ribs laughing um that was a good joke it's your turn
0: All right, my last thing the maybe most important bit of research I did not did but the most important one offline we get in the history of chapters which is Beatrice Potter vampire slayer everyone because apparently Beatrice Potter killed all the vampires in Lanchester (laughs) is what Lamb disdainfully says because Mm -hmm. yes that is like what the fuck And B, just give me a chance to talk about uh, Beatrice Potter, which I'm sure many people know as the author of uh, The Tale of Peter Rabbit, which is probably one of the most popular children's stories in English language, maybe? I mean, I don't know what his global reach is like, but I grew up in that shit, (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, Beatrice Potter, like, very much, like, her whole vibe besides writing cute animal stories was, like, being, like, a naturalist and, like, she did a bunch of cool drawings of, like... Uh, mushrooms and like flowers like she was very much a like you know observing the natural world kind of person and did own a lot of land in lanchester that eventually is i think now a whatever the uk version of a national park is because she left it all in a trust to preserve it all all of the nature and uh pretty cool because for folks that maybe haven't read peter rabbit or any of the other stories in a long time like the drawings are just like realistic rabbits wearing like victorian coats like all of the animals yeah. look very realistic they're just like wearing like little victorian outfits um which i always loved as a weird animal person of course yeah which makes it also just very funny that like being like well she was a mage who like murdered probably eight vampires or whatever like i mean how many vampires are in this like in this area like four probably right. but it's just amusing to think about this genteel Victorian lady in her garden, sketching rabbits and butterflies and wildflowers, fl- hunting vampires <laughs> with
1: her wand. I'm sure it was chosen because the juxtaposition is so, so funny. And I, it, yeah, it was a great choice because it's really funny to think about those being the same person. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like finding out that Buffy goes on in life to become a, you know, the author of, like, sweet children's stories.
0: <laughs> <you know? laughs> pretty, pretty entertaining.
1: Um, we learned that vampires can do a thrall thing. I think Vaz previously told us that he was pretty sure that was a myth, but turns out it's not a myth.
0: Yeah, I wonder how you learned that. Because apparently no one noticed it was happening. So. Right. I feel like my media knowledge says that eye contact is involved. And Shepard was in the front seat, which is maybe why no one else got thralled, but Shepard did. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So.
1: Well, also because Lamb needed everyone else in fighting shape to be able to, you know, run into the trap. So. Yeah. And Shepard's the only one who would know that they were driving into a dead zone.
0: This is also true. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if like learning thrall would be like... I don't know, using it for good kind of thing. But I don't know. Honestly,
1: if my partner was a vampire and they had a magic power that they could use to make it easier for me to go to sleep, I would count that <laughs> as a, a huge win.
0: <gasps> or easier to, like, do things. It sounds great.
1: Yeah. I feel like, oh, my God, I have to clean the whole house. Will you thrall me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like I feel like Simon and Baz could, like, practice it in, like, a sexy way, potentially.
1: Yeah. I think it has a lot of potential.
0: Yeah, if Baz wanted to try to teach himself how to do that, I don't know. I feel like someone would be very enthusiastic about that. And Baz might just be like, oh, that's too, that's too much, my dude.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, look, we did it. All right. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Next time we will be talking about chapters 56 through 62, which sounds like a lot, but a lot of them are half a page long. Um, check the show notes for all the things and until next time Scottamoosh